Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be found in Colossians chapter 1. I'll be starting in verse 9, and I'll be reading to verse 18. And in your pew Bibles in front of you, that will be on page 983. Again, that's Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9, and I'll be reading to verse 18. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This is the word of the Lord. Good to be back. Exciting to be here, part of this 40th anniversary. They asked me if I needed the roving mic, and I said, no, at my age, I stand still. So it'll be here. And uh, But God has been good to us. When we left here, we went to Geneseo and that church. And then for the last 26 years, I've been traveling the country in Bible colleges and seminaries, uh, teaching uh, missions and encouraging men to get involved with home missions and then we uh, worked in two other churches and helped them to come to self-supporting there was a small church near us uh, in Cedar Springs Michigan north of Grand Rapids about 15 miles and they were ready to close their doors and Sherry and I got involved with them and we helped them to grow and the church increase attendance and finances and they were able to call a pastor and I'm still attending that church. That's where my membership is now, is at Maranatha Baptist Church in Cedar Springs. And then when Sherry got sick was the reason I resigned from that church. And it was a 10-year trek with her, with her dementia and uh, Alzheimer's. And she, she went home to, to glory uh, on October three years ago. And uh, my life's not been the same since, but God has been good to me, my family. It's close by. I have two girls that went with us out to Michigan and have uh, five grandchildren that are near us and a and, uh, great help to me and a blessing to me. But I was glad to be here today. I spent the last couple of days with Tiffany, my oldest, uh, oldest granddaughter, and her family up in Ocean Hill and enjoy being there with her so much too. But, but God's been good. We have a lot of fond memories of the church here. Uh, my two oldest children found their mates for life right here in this ministry. Uh, 
Marlon met Mary Beth when he came home from college and they were the first to be married in the new building here. And Bonnie, I remember the most, uh, Mark just came home from college and, and uh, Colleen brought Bonnie and Lauren and Darren Steiner and Jeff Vetter to church when we were meeting in the American Legion building. And it was in June of that year and, and five of those, all five of them came forward that morning to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And uh, it was an awesome time. And, and Jeff and Bonnie and Darren and Lauren are still walking with the Lord today. And that's a great comfort to me to see fruit that remains. And so God has been good. And uh, I've enjoyed uh, our, our ministry. I enjoyed our ministry here. And of course, I don't know most of you. You probably you know, don't know me either, but I, I, I rejoice in that you're here and you're serving God and making a difference in this valley of reaching people with the gospel. And that's what I'd like to talk with you about. I mean, we sang about this morning, uh, that a lot of the songs had to do with reaching people. The scriptures that we read are talking about sharing our faith with the, in, in the world. And that's what I see throughout the scriptures is the need. Now, Church, church is important. We, we come to church to learn, to grow, to be edified, to be equipped, to do the work of the ministry. But the work of the ministry is not always done right here in the church. The work of the ministry is out there in our homes and in the community and our workplaces and, and out there in the world of reaching people. And that's been my passion throughout my life is to reach people with the gospel of Christ. And in John chapter 6, when Jesus was doing miracles, the disciples were following, his name was being spread around the countryside, and two Greeks came, Gentiles, found Andrew and Nathaniel. And they said something to them. They said, sirs, we would see Jesus. We want to know who this man is. Who is this Jesus? And so they take and introduce them to Jesus. You know, the world around us, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for something that's going to be real in their life. They don't have the answers. They're not even looking in the right places, but they need to know the Christ that you and I know. They need to know what redeems a person's life and prepares them for, for heaven, for a life after death. They don't know the answers to that. And so how do you show someone the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible tells us that in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Moses saw him who was invisible. And yet Moses, who didn't see God, but followed God. How do you show an invisible God to a world that needs to know him? In Colossians 1 and verse 15, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is who we need to show to a lost world. They are the ones that we need to show Christ. He's the one that came to redeem. He's the one that's going to prepare them for heaven. We need to show them the image of the invisible God. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17, Paul calls him the king eternal, the immortal, invisible, only wise God. So 
when the world, not knowing where to look for Christ, they're looking, who, who is he? Where is he? How do I see God? How do I come to know God? Well, God commissioned us, his followers, to show the rest of the world an invisible savior. You've never seen him. I've never seen him. The only way we have seen him is through the pages of this book. This book tells us about a redeemer, a savior, for by, by faith, We've embraced the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, lived, bled, died, rose again from the dead, and he is our Savior. By faith, we receive the fact that, that, that he redeemed us, and we, we claim that. And we've never seen him. We will see him in the rapture or in death. We will see him. We sang about that this morning, too, to walk with the Savior one day. I, I, I long for the day when I see him face to face. But God, he's, we're to show our friends the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the God that sees us. Even though we don't see him, he sees us. And he knows us. We know him by faith. He knows us. And he walks with us. And he meets our needs. And, and we need to be able to share that with other people and share with them how Christ has made a difference in our life that they too can have that same truth. Now, how do we do that? Well, first off, we see him through the word of God. So we need, we need to share the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, uh, we need to share what we know about the word of God to others. This is, this is a book, and the, the, more I, the more I see this, the more it's important for us to say, this book's called The Sword of the Spirit in Ephesians 6. It's, a, it's, it's not a dead sword, like a weapon that would spear a living person and cause them to be dead. This book's altogether different than that. This is a living book. It's the living word of God. And you and I take this sword and we pierce it into the heart of someone who's spiritually dead. They're without hope. They're spiritually dead. They have no idea who God even is. And we share the truth of the gospel with them. And we take this by the power of the Holy Spirit and put the word of God into their heart. And the word of God is a living book. And it goes into a dead heart. And the Holy Spirit takes it and regenerates that heart and brings them to faith in Jesus Christ. And they're born again into the family of God. That's what we do. That's what God asks us to do. Take the word of God to the world. Show the world who Jesus is through the pages of the scripture. We need to see him through those who've already believed. You and I are the light of the world. So Jesus said in the great Sermon on the Mount, he says, we're lights, we're to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does uh, an unsaved world, how do your family members that are unsaved, how do your, your folks that you're trying to reach in your neighborhood, how are they going to see Jesus? They're going to see him through the light that you and I are to betray as Christians. We're the light of the world. It's always by faith, but they need to see somebody that's living for Jesus Christ. They need to see somebody that's real and genuine and, it's and that Jesus Christ has made a difference in their life. We need to show that he is our redeemer. 
We read it in Colossians 1 here, but verse 7, it's a, a tremendous truth. It's not 7, it's 9. He says, uh, for, um, let me find it. No. Let me go to verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That, to me, that's the most precious truth. All kinds of truths about Jesus Christ, but what he did for me. He forgave me of my sins. Through his blood, I have the forgiveness of sins. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And that's what we can share with others, that they can have the forgiveness of sins and, and know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, the Bible tells us that we're a holy priesthood, a, 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 a righteous people, a peculiar people. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Well, if we're to be what God wants us to do, we're supposed to be sharing Christ, the truth of Christ, with the rest of the world. And uh, <clears throat> uh, we need to make sure that they see him through our lives as priests, as servants of God, as witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're his servants. We're to be doing his bidding and obeying his commands and that the rest of the world will see that we're reflecting what Jesus Christ can do in and, life, in, through and, in and through a person that's truly trusted in Jesus Christ as his Savior. We have all kinds of privileges in Christ. But he tells us, I want you, he, we're saved to serve. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we know that one. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. But the 10th verse says, we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. He saved us to serve. We're supposed to be serving the Lord. What's he want us to do? He wants us to share how Christ changed our lives, how Christ came into our lives and brought us to himself. They need to see that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life, that he truly rules in our life. That's a constant thing to make a surrender to God every day, to make a surrender to God, to come to a place where you're just, Lord God, I need you in my life. I need you to guide me. I need you to encourage me. I need you to, to, to lift me up. I need to trust in you and trust that God is gonna change our lives and the people around us are gonna see that we have a love and a desire to serve God, that he's the Lord of our life that we're walking in the light of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need that. That seems to be, that's, that's how we're going to show the world. You know, so how do we do that? Well, he tells us that we've been bought with a price. He says, Jesus Christ paid for us. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. He says, I bought you with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, in your life. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be betraying him to the rest of the world. And that's, that's, that's our duty. That's, our, uh, that, that's why we come to church to, in, to get the encouragement, to get the, the enlightenment that we need, to get the boldness, to get the understanding, to get the truths deep into our heart and our life. So when we go out throughout the week, we're talking to family members, we're talking to neighbors, we're talking to friends, we can share what we know about Jesus Christ in an intelligent and in a factual way to where they too could come to know Christ as Savior. How do we do it? We just go. Yeah, we need to live in this world 
and let the world around us know that Jesus Christ is our Savior. How do we do that? By the words we use. And actually, by the words we don't use. You know, the words that come out of our mouth ought to glorify God. The, the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to God, our Savior, our Redeemer. You know, the words we use, that's going to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. The places we go or the places we don't go, the attitude we display, not when everything's just going right, but the attitude that we display when things aren't going right. Do you still trust Christ? Do you still have a, a sweet attitude? Do you still have a joy of the Lord when things aren't going the way you want them to do? The world notices that. And the world's going to take a notice of that. And the people that you're trying to reach are going to watch for that too when things aren't going right. They want to see, do you, do you follow Jesus? Is he really, truly the Lord of your life? So how do they see? How do we make them see Jesus? They need to see Christ, that he's our strength. Philippians 4, verse 13. We all know that one. You know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Is Christ your strength? Do you rely on him for the strength? He grants us strength to overcome sin that has ruled in our lives and our hearts for so many years. We come to Christ and he breaks the bonds of sin. He turns our hearts towards him and we can, we can walk in a different direction. We can live in a different way. We can speak different words. We can have different desires and, and that it would all glorify God. God wants, us, he wants to be our strength. He wants to, 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 to guide us. He wants to work in us through the times of tribulation and trouble. He says, I've overcome the world. We need to show that to our family and our friends, that he is the one who overcomes the world. No sin, no trial, no temptation should ever defeat us because we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. We have him in our hearts. Our power is not in ourselves. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the power of the word. It's in the ministry of the Holy Spirit that works in us and fills us and regenerates us. That's God's power, and that's what we, we, we long for that, for God to work in us and that we might truly be the light to the world and show, show the people around us that we love and that we care about of what Jesus Christ can really do in their hearts and in their lives if they would only trust him. Our victory over sin comes through Jesus and his word. First John 2 and verse 15, he says this, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you, sh and you have overcome the world. How did they overcome the world? The word of God abiding in them. That's why we're in church. That's why we read the book. That's why we encourage you to memorize. That's why we encourage you to stay in the word because the word of God in our heart is what's gonna give us the victory that we need. <clears throat> the psalmist said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The more we know about the word of God, the more we know how we're supposed to stay away from sin. Follow Jesus Christ. Show the world that he is our strength. He is our light, our guiding light. We need to trust him for that. In all your ways, acknowledge him, the, the proverb goes. It says, and uh, trust not in your own understanding, but in every, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in God, not in our own ways of thinking, but trust in God and, and believe that God is, is directing us and, and helping us, that he is that one who's giving us what we need. 
And uh, Jesus said that in John 8 and verse 12. He says, and Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We're to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow his word. His word is the lamp and the light for our feet uh, and a guide for our path. Follow Christ. Follow the word. Just be obedient. If the word of God says what we're supposed to do, follow the Lord. We show the world what Jesus Christ can do when they know we're following what, what God has already written for us and what God has already given to us in his word. His light brings us out of darkness into the light. He transforms our lives. He makes us different. The world doesn't know that. The world doesn't see the light unless the word of God is there, unless there's a Christian that's going to show them. Satan has them blinded, Second Corinthians 4 and verse 4. Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's keeping them in darkness. And what, what's going to bring them out of the darkness? What's going to bring them out of the, out, out, out of the confines of their sin and the, 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 uh, the uh, binding of sin in their life? It's the word of God. It's when they hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Get the word of God into them and show them that, that they can come out of the darkness. They can, their lives can be transformed. They need to see that. They see that through us. They see that through us. We have family members. We have neighbors. We have friends that we want to see come to know Christ. It was probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, my neighbor Roger, he's a wonderful Christian man, and I live in a 50s and up community, uh, in, in our community, and, and uh, 200 and some homes in that community. That's where we live, and, and uh, Roger and I became good friends, and we were witnessing to some of our neighbors, and, and Carol, he's kind of the sergeant of the community. You know, he, he knew everything, and when he spoke, everybody was supposed to do what Carol said, and, and we were witnessing to Carol, and he had no idea what the gospel was. And he's the one, an unsaved man, said, well, you guys ought to start a men's Bible study. So we immediately said, okay, Monday we're going to start. And uh, we have a dozen men that meet with us every Monday morning, most of them unsaved. Carol was the first that came to know Christ, and we're so excited to see God transforming his life and just bring him. And now he's telling everybody in the park to, to come to the Monday morning Bible study. He says, I'm learning the scriptures. I'm knowing I know Christ as my Savior. God's changed his life. But he saw something in Roger and myself before he would even ask to, to study. The, the Bible was never part of his life before. And now the Bible, he, he's, he's got 15 translations and he's got six, six different uh, uh, computers that he's working off and he's reading scripture every day. He says two hours every day he just reads scripture. He's growing. But it was from a man that saw something in Roger, saw something in myself, and he says, teach me the Bible. Sirs, I would see Jesus. You know, how many others are around us are like that? That we, that we would long to reach with the gospel, long to see them come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. They need to see Christ, an invisible God. How are they going to see him? They're not going to open up a Bible and just begin to read. Some do. I remember when Fred Zeiner got saved, it was a college professor. Fred had questions, and the professor just said, Read the Gospels. 
And Fred went home, and if I remember his testimony right, he began reading in Matthew, and it wasn't until he, until he got to John that he trusted Christ as Savior. You know, but it's the word of God. But he saw something in a professor that made him want to trust Christ as Savior, to know what made him different. That's our duty. That's what we're supposed to be doing in our Christian life. How is the world going to see an invisible God? They're not looking in the right places. They're not seeking after God. They're not doing that. They need to see something in another person that's going to say, what makes them different? And one of the things is how you handle life. How you handle life. Do they see Christ in you as a source of your joy? How many times have you been around somebody that all they do is whine and complain and moan and groan? And you, you, would you want that? And they, some even say that they, that, that they love Jesus Christ, but there's never a happy moment in their life. There's never a time when they're, when they're rejoicing in the Lord. There's never a time when they have something positive to say. Hey, the world needs to see that there's something good about trusting in Jesus Christ, and they need to see the joy of the Lord in our lives. They need to see how we handle, handle trouble and how we, how we uh, go about working in the, through the difficult things in life. And we all have difficult things. But to have the joy of the Lord, and there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is something that you can have when the worst of dire situations, you can still have the joy of the Lord in your life. And the world needs to see that Jesus Christ makes a difference, not when things are going well, but when the world's falling apart around us, to show the joy of the Lord in their life. But they're not looking for that. Most of the people that you and I know that are outside of Christ, they're not looking for him. They need to be prodded in their own soul to want to know what makes a difference in a person's life. They want to, to desire to know Christ. I know, remember back, I'm going to forget how many years, 54 years ago, when I came to know Christ. I bought a dairy farm from a, from a Baptist deacon, and he built a house right across the road from me. And he would come over several times a week just to talk, you know. I didn't, I thought he disliked me, but I know he was trying to witness to me and share Christ with me. But when Sherry got, Sherry come to know the Lord about three months or four months before I did, and when uh, the pastor came to share with me the truth of the gospel, I, I wanted to know the truth. I didn't know one Bible verse. Not one Bible verse, and that pastor shared with me, I think the Romans road, I'm not sure of how to come to know Christ as Savior, but he shared it with me. And he asked what I, what I want to believe. You know, and what was going through my mind? If that's what Ralph has, that's what I want. You know, and it, if it was believing in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, that's what I want. The light, the joy of Christ in a person's life, the testimony of a man that's living for Jesus Christ makes a difference when the gospel is presented whether they want to pursue it or not. And I wanted what Ralph had. I wanted to know what made him the man of God that he was. And I trusted Christ that night without ever knowing a Bible verse. And since then, we've been in the word and, and, and walking with God. But most of the world's not looking. They're looking in the wrong places. They think if I get more money, I'll find happiness and I'll find, I'll find contentment. No, you won't. No, you won't. 
The more money you make, the, you're going to fall in love with the money and you're just going to keep pursuing money, money, money. It's not going to do it. You know, that, that's not how you find it. They think they'll find happiness in a bottle or a pill or some substance that's going to take them into another dimension. No, it won't. It'll just bring more misery into your life. It's not going to work. It's Christ that makes the difference. And in our day and world age, some people are thinking, if I was a different gender, I my whole life would be different and it would be, be so good if I was a different gender. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. You're still going to be the same miserable person outside of Christ that they are now. They need to know the forgiveness of sins. They need to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They need the joyful heart that a Christian can display. They need the contentment that a Christian displays in their life. And they're going to have to see that in us in order to see that's what Christ can do for me. They need to see, and this is important, they need to see that one day there will be a reckoning. One day they will have to give an account to God. But you know, so will you and I. There's two great judgments coming. One is for us Christians. The other is for an unsaved world. You know, that 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, read that. Where Paul says, we are all, us Christians, going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. And we're going to give an account of our life, whether good or bad. That motivates me as much as anything in the word. That one day, one day I'm going to see Jesus Christ face to face. And one day, and I don't have all the details how this is going to work, but one day I'm going to stand before my Savior and he's going to critique my life from that night in February 11th, 1969, when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, to the day he takes me home. He's going to critique my life. And I hope he can say, well done, you, you are a good and faithful servant. But how does that mean? In that chapter, Paul says that, he says you've got to serve God to where you're doing the right things, where you're going to earn the reward of silver and gold and precious stone. But he says there's wood and there's hay and there's stubble. He says if you work for that, that's going to be burned up. And I think if we serve God for the wrong motives, that's wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be burned up. I kind of like to think of it this way. When we as Christians stand before God Almighty, as believers, no, no account for sin. Our sin's been dealt with. Jesus paid for that on the cross. There's, therefore, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sins are gone. They've been faithful. We're forgiven, as we saw here in Colossians 1. We're forgiven. So he's not going to judge us for our sin, but he's going to judge us how we served him. And I picture it this way. I picture God showing me a mound of, of, of treasure. And he said, Tom, if you'd have walked with me, if you'd have obeyed me like I wanted you to, if you'd have followed the word of God and followed the Holy Spirit like I wanted you to, this is what I wanted to give you. And then the fire's going to come. And all that wood, hay, and stubble's going to go. But, sorry. But hopefully there's going to be some silver, gold, and precious stone. It's, we're not going to keep it. We're going to take it and lay it at his feet. But the fact that he wants to reward us, 
The fact that God wants to give us treasure for serving him, for walking with him, for obeying him, for honoring him, for witnessing for him, for making a difference in this world. Our God wants to reward us for that. That ought to motivate us to say, I'm going to continue. I'm going to serve God. I'm not giving up. I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to witness to my neighbor. I'm going to do whatever God asks me to do. I'm going to follow him. I want him to be Lord of my life. That ought to be the goal of every one of us. But there's another judgment. That's a judgment for those that aren't in Christ. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, I think it is, talks about the great white throne judgment. He says, and the dead in Christ, uh, or excuse me, and the dead will be raised, and they will stand before an almighty God, and the books will be opened, and they will be judged out of those books. God's keeping record. God's keeping record. And those who die without Jesus Christ, those who die without ever coming to a saving knowledge in Jesus Christ are going to give an account for their sins. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire forever and forever, never to see God again. That ought to motivate us to say, I want to show the world Jesus. I want my friends, I want my family members to know Jesus Christ. I want the people around me to see Christ living in me and making a difference in my life that they too might, when I have opportunity to share the word of God with them, that they too might say, if that's what a Christian is, that's what I want. If that's what Christ can do, that's what I want. We need to be so living so that when they see us witnessing to them and we're sharing the word of God with them, that they would want to know Christ as their Savior. That's, that's our goal. That ought, to be, that ought to be motivation for us to show the world Jesus. But most of the world is not seeing Christ. They're not looking for him. They're happy doing what they're doing in their unsaved state. They're going their own way. They're blinded. Their mind is blinded to the truth of the gospel. Satan has them in his control. And God wants us as his soldiers, as his servants, to take this book, the truths of this book, and know how to use it. No, no, get some scriptures together in your heart and in your mind so when the door, God opens the door for you to share the gospel with somebody, you know where to look. You know what scripture to take them to, either to show them in the Bible or to quote it to them, that you're showing them what the truth of the word of God says about their salvation, about their condition, and about how Christ can relieve them from that. But know how to do that. Know how to give a testimony of the saving grace of God in your life. No, know how to give a, a testimony that could take 20 minutes and use it as a message if you wanted to, but know how to share in three minutes how you came to know Christ, how you realized that God showed you how you were a sinner on your way to hell and how the gospel came in and started to change your life and you came to a place where you trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Know how to give a testimony to someone when you, when you just have a few minutes to share. Know that they will 
see Christ in our lives. They're not looking. It's our job to take this book to them, to take the gospel to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, be my witnesses, where? Into the uttermost part of the world. Share Jesus Christ wherever we are going. What's the world see when they see? What do, you, what, what, do, what do your family members see when they look at your life? What do your neighbors see? What do your coworkers see? What do your, what do your, your, your teenagers see in, in your life when they look at your life? Did they see Jesus? Did they see how Christ has changed your life? Did they see that he's important to you, that he's your guide, that you're trusting him? He's the Lord of your life. You're following him more than, more than the world. What do they see? They need to see Christ. They need to see him. We need to be sharing Christ. When was the last time that you shared Christ? When was the last time that you know the door opened for you to share your testimony or to share something about Christ and you took it and you showed what the Bible said or you shared your testimony and you showed them how they too can come into the family of God? We pass up so many opportunities. We need to be alert. We need to be vigilant about sharing Christ with the rest of the world. I challenge you this morning to do that. If you haven't shared Christ with anyone in a long time, do it today, do it this week. Find a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, and share Christ with them. Pray for that. Pray for God to give you boldness in your witness. Pray for God to open doors for you to, 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 to share your testimony or share your faith and, and, uh, and, 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 and invite them to trust Christ as Savior. Invite them to church. That's the easiest form of evangelism in the world is to invite somebody to come to church. You know, in my ministries, very seldom have I led somebody to Christ that didn't come to church first. Somebody invited them to church and they came and they sat, they heard the music and they heard the folks sing with a joyful heart and they heard a message about Christ. And then you go to their home and they're hungry for the word of God. Invite them to church, invite them to Christ. Know how to give a testimony. Lord willing, maybe God's laid somebody on your heart this morning. You say, I've not witnessed to that person. I've known them a long time and I haven't done it. Do it this week. Or maybe somebody you've witnessed too many times. They still not trusted Christ. Don't give up on them. Go back. Witness again. Give a testimony of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father.